Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. In this episode, I talk about a new philosophy for selling that's really new, not just tweaking at the margins and at the edges, but I want you to rethink and change your philosophy about what it means to be a successful sales professional. In this episode, glad you're here. I didn't used to be able to snap my fingers like that, but I can now. So I just wanted to show that off a little bit. Hey, Bill Caskey back, Bill Caskey podcast. Glad to have you. We're going to talk about, uh, what are we going to talk about today? A, a philosophy. We're going to talk about a new philosophy. And this is something that we have touched on from time to time, but I'm going to, I was going to shoot a video the other day for LinkedIn and I thought, no, I'm going to wait until I work through it with you. Uh, get some, maybe some input from you, some perspective, and uh, and then do the video because I think the video could be longer than just a one minute video. I don't think one minute would give it. It's due, so uh, you know who I am. I come uh, come to you every week, usually Wednesday, Wednesday ish, and uh, try to bring you ideas on how you can improve your business, but not in the traditional sense of the word. Maybe some counterintuitive things, and that's what we're going to talk about today. If you are a sales professional earning over 150k and you want to grow that, scale that exponentially, uh, you might consider being a part of one of our programs called the High Achiever Mentoring Group. It meets uh, a couple times a month, and you can find out more about it at BillKasky.com. Very top banner there. Also, I've got my new Five Reasons program out, my guide that I wrote called Five Reasons You Don't Have Enough Clients. Check in these show notes and you can get the website where you can download that guide, fivereasonsclients.com, fivereasonsclients.com if you're uh, in the mode right now. And it'll be in the show notes. And it's a little PDF guide. I think you'll like it. It's kind of hard hitting. I kind of take all the, uh, I don't know, all all the niceness out and just Go at it. I go at it with you about why you don't have enough clients uh, in the spirit of love, of course. So we're talking today about the philosophy and philosophy, when you define it, is the way we think about the fundamental truths of, of a situation. So you have a philosophy of life, probably. If you're a parent, you probably have a philosophy of parenting. You, you might not have actually thought through it much. But you have a philosophy, you have a way of thinking about parenting or life or business, or if you're a CEO of a company or an entrepreneur, you have a way of thinking about those things. And I think it's useful to sometimes stop and say, well, what do I think about this? What do I think about sales? What do I think about leadership? What is my, what, what is my collection of fundamental truths about this topic? Because if we can identify what our fundamental truths are. It could be that as we look at that list, we find, well, wait a minute, that's not entirely true. 
we may be dealing with some philosophies that are old and outdated based on either what we've discovered recently or the marketplace or the context of the landscape of the world or whatever. But if we don't ever stop and look at those things, we never realize if we're working on false assumptions. And I think that's that's important. That's what I want to do today a little bit. I want to challenge you to a new philosophy about selling. And we've talked about it on this show, talk about it on some of the other work that I do. But I want to give you four or five things here today that I think might change your mind a little bit. And then if you want to hear more, obviously, you can get in touch with me. And I would say the High Achiever Group, we talk about a lot of these things. But I wanted to give you a little a little window into this. So number one, I don't think we are there as professional salespeople to convince or persuade anybody to do anything. And this is quite different from most training programs, most coaching programs, Um, Some of the more popular ones are all about convincing and persuading. And I don't think it's useful for this reason. If you're not really good at it, I mean really good at it, to the point where the prospect doesn't see what you're doing, you're going to create resistance. Whenever someone tries to convince you that you're not voting in the right way, (laughs) that's a terrible example, maybe not. Uh, what do you do? You're like, well, no, I'm voting the way I want to vote. And so, you know, they try to convince you and you dig in your heels and then they dig in their heels. And of course, nobody gets anywhere. So I think it's the same thing in sales is that if we go at the convince and persuade game too hard, too kind of front loaded, then we create resistance. Well, I don't want to create resistance. Isn't that the last thing I want? Resistance from my prospect? They, they have a problem. I have a solution. They have money. I have goals. I mean, doesn't this sound like a match made in heaven? Why would I want to create resistance? And I think you create resistance when you go in trying to convince and persuade people. Number two, how many calls a day you make is irrelevant? Hmm, What? I thought you said in the past that it's all about behavior. Now, I've said that behavior has is a factor. You've got to do something. I don't think you can just lay in bed and, and eat the proverbial dark chocolate uh, raspberry mints all day. Not mints, little bars, you know, those things that are so good that you have one and you think, well, seven more would, would suffice. I don't want you to do no action. I just think you have to ask yourself, what's the action that has the most potential for me? Is it cold calling? Is that, is that really where you are right now in your business? Because if it's cold calling, you haven't done a lot of other things you need to do. So when I say how many calls per day you make is irrelevant, I'm not saying don't do some behavior. I'm saying that cold outreach is a terrible idea. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It just takes a lot of time and energy and it, it creates burnout unless you're one of those people who just love it. You put your hand in the meat grinder and you say, honey, grind away. I can't wait for that feeling of your my hand being ground up. But probably not. That's an awful, awful picture in my mind. Number three, the only fear in selling should be the prospect's fear that you won't work with them. This is my favorite. If I had a favorite. If you force me, put a gun to my head and say, Bill, what's your favorite? This is it. 
Because when you think about it, I, I was doing a program for a, a large, I don't know, Fortune 1000 company, I guess, up in Chicago here a couple of years ago. And one of, it was a bunch of sales leaders. And one of the questions was, how do we how do we get our sales teams to not be fearful of cold calling or, or of sales in general? And they have a lot of young SDR type people. And I said, well, there's only one way to do it. And that is uh, the prospects to create a situation where the prospects fear of losing you is more than your fear of them saying no. The fear of rejection. We've got to get out of this fear of rejection. And I always say, you reject the prospect before they reject you. Why would you? Why wouldn't you reject the prospect if they either don't have a problem that you can solve? They don't want to tell you about the problem you can solve. You ask questions and they freeze up and they say, "Oh, I can't. Ex- I can't tell you that." Is that? I mean, think about if you went into the doctor and you were in serious condition, and the doctor says, "Well, tell me, how did you feel yesterday at this time?" And you say, nah, "I'd rather not say, doc. I'd rather not say." Wouldn't the doctor say, "What are you? What are you talking about?" I'm here to try to help you. I need this information. If you don't give me the information, I can't help you. I mean, wouldn't that be what the doctor would say? It may not be in that language or that uh, adamant. But if you are in sales today, the only fear in the process should be the prospect's fear that you won't work with them. Well, how do you get there? Well, you get there by clearly understanding what the problem is that they are dealing with or what the goal is that they are wrestling with how to get to. It could be running away from pain. It could be running toward pleasure. This is Freudian stuff, but it's still, it's still, it's like, oh no, we've gone beyond that. No, we're still dealing with human beings here. We are creatures of universal laws. And one of the universal laws is that we will spend a lot of time, energy, and sometimes money either getting out of pain, avoiding pain, or getting to a new future, pursuing pleasure and possibility. So I don't care how many new sales training methods there are, it still gets back to fear of you know trying to avoid pain and trying to pursue possibility. All right, so fear. So no more fear. Have I not fixed your life here in the last seven and a half minutes? No more fear. This is about your prospect fearing, not you. There's no room in the sales process for your fear. If there is, your ego's out of control. All right. One, two, three. I don't know what number this is. I think it's four. Discipline should never be a factor in selling or in achievement. Discipline should never be a factor. How many times have you heard the, the, the quote or been exposed to how important discipline is? You got to have discipline. You got to have to get up and one. I wrote an article about this here a couple months ago. You might have read it. And about how I, I think I just read something about how you got to have the discipline to get out of bed in the morning, go work out. I don't have, I work out every day. I have no discipline to work out. I love working out. I love working out. I love eating ice cream at night. I don't need discipline. I don't need somebody there saying, come on, Bill, you got to eat ice cream. You got to eat some ice cream tonight. You got to go to Dairy Queen. Come on, where's your discipline? So I believe that discipline goes away when you love what you do. When you're on fire, for what you do, there's no need for discipline. It's just what you do. 
It's what you do that brings joy to yourself. It's what you do that brings value to your customers. I had a situation last week, one of my clients who calls on massive companies, large Fortune 20 companies, they were getting ready to go in and see one of these, and there were several of them and several of the client prospect, and and they wanted to have it a kind of an all-hands-on-deck meeting to talk about the strategy, and they invited me because we were talking about sales strategy and how do you how do you manage it when there's lots of different agendas on the table, and so we worked through that. I looked, I knew in two days in advance that was coming. I couldn't wait for that because I love that stuff. I didn't have to look at my, I didn't look at my watch that morning and say, or my calendar and say, oh God, I got to muster up the discipline to talk to, to Colleen and Shari about blah, blah, blah. No, I can't wait for the, I love those things. Those things inspire me, those strategy meetings where we can sort out how to approach people. I love that. I don't need discipline because it brings me joy. So if there's things in your business life that you feel you need to do more of and you feel like you require discipline to do, don't do it that way. Go the other way and say, how can I enjoy this? How can I bring joy to this? What can I do? Can I eat donuts before I do it? Can I invite somebody else in to do it with me? Uh, can I can I laugh a little bit? Can I make it a little creative and interesting? You've got to have joy and pleasure in the hard things of your business, then you won't require discipline. Here's my final one for today. And you've heard me talk about the concept of clarity. And I have talked about it and I haven't, uh, we haven't talked about it enough, put it that way. And my new philosophy is let clarity drive desire. You know, I've said in the past that we have to let design be the predominant attribute rather than desire. Because sometimes, some days, some seasons, some parts of the year, we just don't have the desire that we have in other parts. And you know what else happens is we get in our comfort zone. And we say, well, geez, uh, I've got a client who isn't in his comfort zone, but he could have been. He made his numbers at the end of July this year. He's in one of our high achiever program. And he could very easily have just said, you know what, I'm working on next year now. I don't want to bring in too much because then I, you know, kind of cost me money next year if I don't blah, 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 you know, the whole commission compensation thing. But he didn't because he has his business designed in such a way that desire doesn't enter into it. And I think that's important for all of us is have we designed our business and are we clear about where we're going, how to get there, what are the steps, what's the business design that we need to create where desire doesn't enter into it. And I know that's a, that's a, a long stretch for some of you, but wouldn't that be nice if you didn't have to if you didn't have to take actions based on desire, and we talked a little bit about this in a prior one about discipline, but why is desire such a valuable commodity today? Why do we always have, you got to want it, you got to want it, you got to be hungry, Les Brown. I like Les Brown, but he's, you know, got to be hungry. Well, okay, so what if I'm not hungry? Does that mean my business goes to crap? No, my business in your territory, in your business you know, in, in the window of your business should be focused on how have I designed my business so the desire is irrelevant. So hopefully these are some beginning philosophies that you can take with you and uh, 
do something with. I think there's a lot here. I've got five more that I, I probably won't do because, you know, there's so much here and I don't want to keep piling on. So hopefully you've enjoyed this. If you, uh, once again, if you're a 150K or higher sales professional and you want to scale that business, go to BillCaskey.com, the top banner, get you on a wait list for a program we're going to be rolling out soon called the High Achiever Mentoring Program. Uh, we've got one going now, and it's been awesome. We've got great people in it, and everybody's uh, getting a lot out of it and growing their business. So I'd uh, like to have you, if you're so inclined, talk to you soon. Bye.